0: Hello and welcome to the Produce Retail Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Nickel, and I am delighted to have with us today Caitlin Tierney. She is the Senior Director of Produce for Local and Innovation at Sprouts Farmers Markets. Caitlin, thank you so much for being with us today and welcome to the podcast.
1: Of course. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Absolutely. So we want to kind of dive in with a starting point today on the new Rescued Organics program. I saw this in I, I know we've seen these kind of programs before in different places, and so I was curious, I, I know you've seen this in different places a lot before too, what what made you guys uh, feel like this was this was a good a good fit for kind of the overall strategy for produce at Sprouts?
1: Yeah, of course. So here at Sprouts, we're definitely involved in sustainability, it's a core of our business. Um, organics is actually makes up about 38% of our total produce sales. So significantly over oversell uh, organics versus your conventional retailer. Um, and then what better way to continue to grow that organic penetration and get step change? Perhaps people that would regularly buy conventional into organics by offering a value item like rescued organics, where we're not only helping the environment, we're helping our local and national farmers, as well as giving a consumer a great eating piece of fruit or veggie that uh, is extremely affordable and organic.
0: Awesome. And I know, Caitlin, you mentioned kind of the opportunity for this to be, you know, maybe a um, a upsell isn't the right word, but an opportunity for folks who may not be in the organic category fully to kind of step into that and give that a try and um be be more involved in that than maybe they have been. How did you guys approach the the pricing as far as you know what what should that price be for the rescued organics program compared to the conventional offering and the or the normal organic offering?
1: Yep. So currently, you know, we have 12 SKUs that will probably Trickle out about six uh, of them seasonally, uh, depending on obviously citrus season ending, getting into more of the springtime. What are we going to do? You know, some tomatoes and uh, zucchini and some of the wonderful springtime veg. And, st- and so uh, when we looked at price points, we're like, okay, well, we don't want to cannibalize our category either. So that was a, di- a really difficult leap that we had to decide on. But we also wanted it to be significantly cheaper than organics but at the same price point or slightly more than conventional and so we did that by in most cases putting them in a bigger pack size so a five pound sweet yams three pound onions and a four pound navel and so it allowed us to get to a great price point for the consumer um, and actually be about 30 to 40 percent cheaper than uh, our organic offering so a extreme value to the organic customer, and hopefully enough of a value that it gets the customer to pick it up that's a conventional customer.
0: Gotcha. So it sounds like pack size is kind of one of the tools where you could adjust that, and that way you don't necessarily have like a one-to-one comparison against either of those other categories. Is that right?
1: Correct. And it also allows us to ensure that everything scans through the register as a rescued organic because it has a UPC versus if we were to have a bulk display of, of rescued product.
0: That makes so much sense. And then logistically, I was curious too, because obviously, you know, as as you think about, of course, putting together a program like this, the different costs that go into it, transportation is always one of those, of course. Um, how does it work logistically for you all as far as what stores these items will be in and and kind of how the transportation and seasonality works into that?
1: Yeah, of course. So we piloted it in the easiest state possible, which is California. So it's in 130 of our stores in California. Uh, and we did the pilot just because you, we knew that logistics um, was going to be an issue and that one size wouldn't fit all. So if we're thinking about, you know, making it more of a local centric program, you know, Colorado has different products than California, than California does with Florida, Florida's with, with Texas. So. Um, We stuck with California just because it's so close, obviously, to the Mexico border. Um, So it allowed us to have that as an influence as well. And then, you know, it's God country. So everything grows in California, even in the winter. Um, So it gave us some flexibility there to really work the program out, understand the consumer behavior, what's the right price point, what's the right messaging uh, to get the customer to try it. Uh, So it's a three-month pilot. Uh, We're a month and a half into it currently. And um, so we're still learning um, and looking to, uh, after the three months, launch it, uh, revamp the program with new, interesting, exciting items for customers to grab a hold of from an organic perspective.
0: Awesome. And you mentioned the the messaging part of it. What did you guys find when I'm sure you studied, you know, how some of these programs had been put out at, at different retailers before and things they tried that maybe resonated or maybe didn't resonate? You know, where where did you guys kind of land on, on what the messaging should be around this?
1: Yeah. So a lot of times um, with my marketing team and us, we, we talked about um, we didn't want a negative connotation when we, we reached out to our customers imperfect, you know, something of uh, not cute enough, something, all these negative connotations wasn't where we wanted to go. And it, it, we didn't want to this is a positive program so we wanted to ensure that even our messaging and what we called it was going to be positive as well and so um we got down and we thought you know we're saving something and um a lot of times we're like okay well what, what how, how else can we relate and what someone was like you know what i feel like it's like you know you should feel like when you buy this it's like adopting a puppy and so so that's how we actually got on, on to the rescued we're rescuing this this organic product that would Otherwise be turned back into the land or when it get as much of a value uh, in on a frozen line or a, a, a processing line. So um, end to end, we're rescuing it it's life and giving it to um, a kid, a, an adult, <laughs> whatever the case might be.
0: Awesome. And I remember, Caitlin, I think when our paths first crossed, you were at at 99 cents only and we talked about how you had worked to, you know, expand the the availability and, and the access to, you know, produce, what you guys were able to offer there, really by leaning into those relationships with growers to understand, hey, you know, what, what specs are, are you not being able to sell, you know, to your, to your standard retail customers and things like that? What kind of a role did the the grow relationships for you all play in kind of putting this program together?
1: A huge role. You know, it's it's definitely an active thing and it's gonna continue to change as you know, you know. Uh ugly or imperfect produce, you don't grow for that spec. You try to grow for the perfect spec. And um, so each year is going to be different and understanding the needs of our because it has to be a win-win. And uh, the more value I'm going to bring to the grower, the more value I'm going to bring to my retail and, and my customers. So um, it was definitely a hand hand uh talking through what specs, how how to run the line, going to the pack houses, seeing what they're discarding or um, what they're not even harvesting. And so walking the fields, pack houses with them and t- just having an open, transparent, frank conversation. And at the end of the day, it was able to, you know, get us a, a great price with great product that actually some of them are like, what, what's wrong with this? It looks perfect. I'm like, well, it's, it's small. It's a, you know, it's a really small orange that no one really wants to juice or no one wants to eat. And so, and nothing wrong with it from a, an aesthetic perspective. It just, uh, it's, just not the perfect 72 count naval orange, and so um, getting all those educating the customer and and even produce managers was uh, definitely an active process and uh, engaging with our growers as well.
0: What would you say the time frame was, Caitlin, that went into that? Because when you describe, like, I mean, those are individual conversations with every grower who's involved, and like you said, getting out there to really understand, you know, okay, what is it that you're not picking up? what is it that you need from a you know from a return perspective on their part right to make it worth like you said harvesting stuff that maybe they weren't harvesting otherwise what was kind of the the time frame
1: to to get everything lined up yeah great question i thought because i came from 99 i thought this was going to be easy i'm like i got this it's it's organic what's the difference it's just organic but it actually the the world of produce actually imperfect organics is actually something that they can still get a good value because of baby food, because of frozen. So they actually get a premium a lot of times for organics. And so it wasn't more of like, oh my gosh, I really need Caitlin's help at Sprouts to sell this product. They already had an avenue in a lot of cases. And so trying to find the right items that don't have those, those cool avenues, um, trying to work with growers on things where maybe it's, it's, the size that even doesn't get to go to processing because it's way too big and it can't get cubed out and stuff like that. So um, it, I thought it was gonna be like a month tops. And it actually turned out to be more like three to five months later. The I, I was supposed to launch the program in October. <laughs> in January. So that just will tell you, there's some marketing and issues and that, but it did take longer than I, I expected, unfortunately. But at the end of the day, now I've got a bucket full of growers and lists of items that I can accumulate and switch in and out of and set up the item codes for. So it, it's, it m- will make the transition in uh, Q2 a lot easier for me to pick up new, new items and new growers. Excellent.
0: And I was Interested too, because you mentioned that, you know, when you guys kind of studied in advance to understand, you know, what, what customers want and, and kind of the cadence maybe and, and the number of SKUs and all those different things kind of determine the right fit. What did you find in terms of, because when we think of kind of traditional produce retail, right? Um, obviously the, the counter seasonal items have become really huge because everyone wants to like show up and they know that it, what they expect to be there is there every time, Right. So what did you guys find as far as with this program? Did you need it to be year round or did you think, well, we can probably come in and out seasonally or what was kind of your thinking around that?
1: Yeah. So I wanted it to be seasonally relevant and talking about, you know, the bigger packs. I'm, I don't think most people in the summer are going to bake five pounds of sweet potatoes, but in January or in February, when it's cold outside and they want a nice delight treat of a sweet potato they will and same with russet potatoes or onions so a lot of the, the things we launched with was very cooking related pot roast related um winter citrus uh things that were absolutely seasonally available and so i'm looking at it to be in and out some some i think we'll probably always have an onion because there's always a rescued onion out there to be had um yep. and consumption you know you grill onions you do a lot of things differently but going into the spring months, we're going to focus more on spring veg and uh, spring items from um, even berries and things of that nature. And in the summer months, we're going to look at, you know, melons and and peaches and stone fruit and and understand what we can we can do cherries and do spurs and being like like there's all these different opportunities in the pipeline. And then going back to fall and going doing more focus on apples and pears and. So I definitely think it's a seasonal thing and it should be, we're hoping it should excite the customer that they're not always sure that it's going to be there and mm-hmm. buy it now because it is here. Uh, and so hopefully we'll get there somehow and it, it wins and it builds a lot of foot traffic. It's It's been crazy that consistency in sales, I can guess it within a thousand dollars a week for the last eight weeks. It's that consistent. So it's got a certain customer that's picking it up every week.
0: Wow, and and what did the what did kind of the marketing around the launch of this look like? I know we saw like the news release and things like that, but how how did you guys get awareness so that you know when it came in, it when people said what's this, there was something to answer.
1: Yeah, so we started a, internally a soft launch, uh, January first, and uh, we built uh, store displays right up front and center of the store, um, right when you walk in, and then we got um, a cool sign that says, you know, rescued organics and talks about um, saving perfectly good produce from being wasted. And then uh, on that, on the side of that, we did little small cue cards that uh, basically said rescued organics. I was overlooked because of my size. Uh, I have beauty spots, but still delicious. Uh, I'm delicious and nutritious, just small. Um, And so sort of educated through that. And then we did a huge campaign with our store managers and produce managers to educate them so that when a customer walked up and asked what this scar was or asked what this program was, they had a boatload of information about the program and really got behind it and excited because they saw the value just even as being a customer or consumer. And they also, you know, being a sprout seed, caring so much about the environment, obviously was a clear picture that this this was helping um, be sustainable within our environment.
0: Now, what were what were some of the components of of that campaign? Just that internal outreach and education.
1: Um. So we got um, we we met with all the DDS personally, walked them through each twelve items, and called out exactly what they should be seeing and what they shouldn't be seeing. So really educating them on a spec perspective. And then we got on three different calls and talked to store managers and produce managers and assistant managers to ensure that. Everyone had all this information and then we sent them a packet of information so that they had some backup just in case someone wasn't on the call or um, just in store wanted to educate themselves on the program. Very neat. And was it difficult at all to,
0: cause I I, I guess depending on kind of the overall communication structure for the company, right on kind of how the, the things get communicated from the top level down to the folks in all the all the stores, what was kind of the process of sort of containing this to, like you said, the stores in California versus your stores in Texas or your stores in Florida?
1: Yeah, so I was meeting with the DVP, uh, Divisional Vice President uh, of California, really scoping out a plan and then just making it just to California stores and not really telling anyone else about it Um and sort of sort of hiding the information, um, whether be systemic or uh, from a communication piece, we just didn't give the rest of the stores that information. And so you you, you do still like hear some people like, well, I want the rescued organics in my pro- like my produce department. And so that's a great that, you know, it's sort of trickled out to uh, the rest of the stores and they're very engaged and, and extremely want the product in their stores. So we're working on how we can get this uh, out to other divisions um, or DCs versus just California and i know you mentioned the
0: the time frame to kind of get everything uh, everything prepared for launch was was longer than anticipated because of those those factors that you mentioned do you think it will be about the same time when you think about some of these other regions or since you've kind of gone through this particular process now once already do you think it will be quicker
1: i think it definitely will be a, a faster turnaround just due to learning from the growers, you know, a a sweet potato grower is a sweet potato grower. I mean, there's some little things, nuances, long day, short day, things of that nature, but nothing. So if I can say, okay, so-and-so saw that this was an opportunity for them, is it an opportunity for you? So now I have more of a a background of knowing the right questions to ask versus searching for the answer. Um, And so I think it will definitely be a quicker process uh, this time around.
0: And Caitlin, I was thinking about too, as I I looked at your LinkedIn in advance of this conversation, and obviously I think you're probably best known for the retail side of things, but you've also worked for suppliers, you've worked for seed companies, you've worked in wholesale. How much has that kind of overview of the whole supply chain um, been been helpful in in your
1: role here at Sprouts? It's been immensely helpful, to be honest with you, especially on the innovation side and just even the knowledge of... Uh, understanding suppliers' um, opportunities, issues, concerns, and and how to address them uh, appropriately. I, I think it's it's uh, it's been a very well-rounded um, opportunity for me. I think from the seed side, um, really knowing what seed to shelf, um, understanding what it takes to innovate a car- category like melons, like onions, the timeframes, the patience that it takes, but also how to get your uh, foot in right now. Uh, versus waiting till a grower has already grown it trialed it uh, and is now offering it out to everyone so being able to be first to market and actually working with your growers with seed companies side by side or breeders and saying okay i you're my partner i want this tie-dye watermelon in my stores in three years let's make this happen together because that's what it's going to take and so that's really exciting and then working by being on the supplier side, I'm. I know, you know, this is a, this is, it's a living, breathing thing. And as much as we want to plan as an industry, whether you're on the retail side, the grower side, the sales side, some things just happen. And um, understanding how to walk through those challenges together, and still, you know, think outside the box to maintain sales or increase sales, or um, thinking about different specs or different grades and understanding what type of lenience you can give the growers and how much that will help both of us. Um, it's its just been, a, it's helped me for for sure in my career in general, and especially at Sprouts.
0: <laughs> well, and I i figured all those things are, are even more relevant when you talk about local produce too, as far as those partnerships with growers, because there is more variability. The season that started, you know, two weeks earlier last year might be starting two weeks later this year and, and things like that. Um, what's, how do you approach, um, more, more broadly in, in your role there overseeing local Kaylin? how do you approach local, I guess, with being a national organization? That's a big picture question, but, but how do you
1: start to tackle that? So we have seven DCs currently in our, um, breath and at each DC, we have a local committed person and team, um, driving local sales. So, in Florida, we've uh, got Megan Diaz, she's the director of the East Coast, and she um, literally takes her team, divvies up, like, okay, you get you get tomatoes, you get green beans, you get citrus. And then really we go on the, the floor, go to the farmers, meet with everyone, talk about our vision, our strategy, what we're looking for as a partner, how we can step change our vision. Um, my innovation manager, Matt DeSalle, he goes and says, okay, we want this type of blueberry, or we're going to we're gonna drive this type of citrus. I know it's going to take about eight years, so let's start now. And so um, it's really fun, exciting, um, but it's definitely, it, it takes a whole team. We have 10 people dedicated to local here at Sprouts. We got eight dedicated for national buys. So that's how much we put our best foot forward when it comes to local, just because it takes, it's all, it's, you're working with you're not working with dolls of, of the world, right? That have years of experience and and you know think outside the box and they've got a billion people working for the company. You're working with mom and pop like growers that they've always grown sweet onions. They've done it for third generation. But now there's a new kid in, in town and he's trying to learn it and understand the retail perspective and what's new and how to drive the business. And so having those partners where you're walking together and always being transparent and communicating um, your issues and needs uh, is, is how we've been able to really drive, grow local by a hundred percent last year. And we're going to drive it 50% this year. So um, yeah, look, we're all, we're all bought in on a local. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow. Well, in, you mentioned doubling it last year. Was, was that the goal slash anticipated or was that even better than you guys expected?
1: Even better than we expected. So we were going in at, um, to be close to a hundred percent, about ninety-two percent, and we uh, were able to come out with being actually hundred and twelve percent. Oh so my gosh! The customers wow. like local. It's it's wow. been winning. And is that
0: just a result of of you all, like you said, really being focused on that, growing the assortment and the
1: availability, so it's out there, so people can buy it, or or what do you attribute that to? Yeah, I definitely think uh, in twenty twenty two we had a dedicated team. We reorged our structure and create a dedicated team for locals. So I definitely think that's one. I think um, it's also educating our customer. I mean, we have some amazing marketing campaigns, boxes. You couldn't walk through our store and not know that it was a local. And so driving that customer want uh, and giving it, giving them what they need or, or asking for, um, I think is a huge benefit as well. And then really it's, we have so many amazing partners that will Go the distance with us. They they will try to promote their product. They'll try to tell their story better. They'll go to grand openings and sample their their beats. I, I, they'll do random things just to help us <laughs> acknowledge that local is here to stay and uh, educate the customer about why local is so important to not only Sprouts but to that farmer.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and when you mention those those partnerships, one of the things that has has been so fun to watch is. All the Sprouts produce managers who will post displays on Facebook or LinkedIn or things like that, and I remember hearing. Um, I I love listening to the Sprouts earning calls, Caitlin, because there's more conversation about produce than any other retail I have ever <laughs> yes. heard in a in an earnings call. And um, one of the things that uh, your all CEO mentioned was this this selling culture, right? Which for for me the you know the folks who I've gotten to talk to, it makes me think of like that old school like merchandising and really believing in the power of merchandising when you empower your people and you get folks engaged and you really focus on that as a part of customer service and customer experience. What's been, been your impression of, of how Sprouts goes about that and, and the value that has, like why that's worth investing in?
1: Yeah, I, I call it the old school hustle, right? It's, it's, you know, stack it high and let it fly. But really, it's also educating the customer, being there We're just doing this new um, sampling campaign to help sell. And so um, if a customer looks at an item for three seconds or longer and you see that you're supposed to sample the product for them, if they're taking that long to make a decision that they want this blueberry muffin or this cran apple cookie, if it's taking them that long to make a decision, help them make that decision. And literally, I've seen it nine out of 10 times, if you sample that uh, raspberry orange or that... Um, melon right in front of them they, they almost feel like guilty like you took that much time to help educate me I, I gotta buy it like even <laughs> and so and obviously hopefully it tastes amazing um, and <laughs> I'm sure it does but um, it's it's a really good active selling um, way of, of, of communicating to the customer educating the customer and getting them to buy something unique that they may not uh, have purchased because uh, it's not raspberry oranges isn't on my grocery list today. And so um, I think it's really cool that we're doing that. And I think it does add a lot of value as well as uh, experience.
0: That's amazing. And it sounds like that's throughout the store, not just produce even? Correct. Wow. So when when did that start? And, and similar to, we talked a little bit about kind of the, the internal communication piece earlier. What does it look like to you know, spread the word on that and make sure it gets all the way to store level to the folks who are literally stocking in the department. And hey, you got to be watching for these folks coming through and, you know, paying attention and you can sample whatever they're looking at. Just, you know, feel free, go
1: do it. Right. Um, yeah. So actually the, our DVP of California, uh, captained this program that he started working on it about halfway through last year and we launched it, um, this year, uh, just because you know, we thought there'd be a great initiative, great education to the customer. Hopefully, increase traffic. Um, and so, uh, it was a top down. Like, there's a how how to, why to, uh, what you, sh- you should look for. Uh, really educating store managers and produce managers, and um, really giving them the the tool. that says, we don't care if like. If it's just one person, that's one additional sale. Like go after it, and so um, allow. And and then usually when you have that uh, citrus, orange, or whatever the case might be that you're sampling, there's more of that to be had. And so now you've got a tool to go around and say, Hey, have you tried our raspberry oranges? They're amazing, and it's peak of season right now. They're only three ninety nine uh, for a three pound bag. Do you want to try one? You they make amazing margaritas. Like just continue to upsell the product, and it, it, all of a sudden you did it for one customer, but you made six other customers happy.
0: And what what makes the the store level teams excited to do that? Maybe that seems like a silly question, but, but I know labor has been a big, you know, a big topic across the industry. And like I said, from looking at these displays, you can tell that you guys have a lot of engaged people, you know, in your stores, where does that come from? How, what kind of culture is there that, that gets people willing to to execute on, on something like that?
1: Yeah. I think it just comes to down to our values. Like our values is care, you know, obviously care about our customers and our planet. Own it, so that talks about taking that accountability, that hustle, that entrepreneurship drive, and actually delivering excellence in stores by by sampling and and going above and beyond what the customer is assuming their experience will be. Um, and then on top of it, all of it layers on is we love being different here at Sprouts, and this is how we can differentiate ourselves. And I think. The, the freedom and the the landscape that we give our our employees is really unlike any other retailer, and I think that they really like to engage with customers. They like talking. It's a lot. It's a lot easier to talk to a customer and stack produce versus just stack produce every and repeat and repeat. And so I think it's uh, they enjoy engaging with their customers. They get excited about the offering that we have in produce and all the new varieties and the cool events that we have for, for stores to execute these amazing displays and uh, they, they get behind it. I think it's just a part of our, our values and our culture.
0: That's awesome. And how far are you guys into the, the sampling campaign?
1: Um, so it's, it's year round. So we're okay. just a, a month and a half in. So um, it's, it's not going away. We we've seen good results and uh, had, had great feedback from customers. So I, I think it's here to stay.
0: Excellent. Well, I know we've, we've talked about local. I know innovation is another part of your role, which it sounds like for one goes hand in hand with local talking a little bit about the the de- development of unique products and being first to market and some of those things. What are some other things that you think about when you think of innovation? It seems like a pretty broad uh, umbrella.
1: Yes, it is. And uh, so it's, it can be anywhere from innovating pack sizes to autonomous driving in trucks to packaging. Um obviously, that's a huge sustainable thing that everyone's trying to get under understand what is the customer willing to pay for. They say they want it. but then when you add fifty cents a unit to it, they, uh, no, I, I like my my unrecyclable <laughs> plastic back. So understanding that fine line and, and where the industry is going, you know, CA is a huge topic of conversation these days. Um, so the controlled environment uh, is is where we're looking at on not only the leafy greens, herbs and microgreens, but how can we also be a part of the step changing culture to do um, more things in whether it be berries or Passion fruit, even uh, dragon fruit. We're looking at some wow. cool things from a, a indoor environment to to see if we can grow things here more domestically year round, um, in some of the the warmer climates that don't have uh, too many freezes. So, cool, cool, fun stuff like that. And then to to the additional point of where we work with over a dozen uh, universities, um, like Michigan State and Florida State. Um, to understand their breeding campaigns and what the students are doing, you know, so definitely the way of the future. Uh, and then we are working with over 25 breeders and uh, seed companies to really say, okay, what's, what's either trending in Europe. So what's, what's some quick wins that the seed is already commercial and we can start planting um, Chinese cauliflower in anywhere in our, our system today with our partner, grower partners, or or what's what's in the pipeline in two to three years, and what's really more like a three to ten year strategy, and so outlining that and following those plans—it's it's it's a full job to say the least, but it's really exciting and rewarding one too.
0: Well, I was gonna say I I know that retail is such a like every day there is something crazy, and there can be a lot of in the moment kind of fires to put out. How do you balance and how much do you enjoy working on some of these projects, too, that are just really long-term and, and forward-looking in nature in the midst of kind of the day-to-day craziness also?
1: Yeah. Well, I I like being in the fire, so I think that's why I love produce, because there's always one to be in, um, but it's, it's really, it's actually very balanced, to be honest with you, because so much of usually retail produce is in the moment, in the day, in the week, um, and really building your strategy probably usually comes once like around Q end of Q3 early Q4 you build it for the next following year and then you don't look back and so uh, this allows us you know to have monthly updates with our grower partners and our breeders and um seed companies and universities alike It allows us to also educate some of some of these small mom and pop things that don't know they want to utilize their land during this period of time they don't know what to grow we tell them, hey, how about grow some strawberries? You'll get some good yield, you'll get some good dollars. Oh yeah, I love that, that's great, yeah, but I don't know how to grow strawberries. And so getting them with the seed companies, with the universities to know the climate of their growing region, understand the spacing of where they need to plant, the watering regimens, the labor that's required, um, it helps sort of build this bigger picture. And so it's really um, rewarding to say the least.
0: That's excellent. And was this a role, Caitlin, that was there before you came there? Or was this sort of custom built around like, hey, this is kind of, these are all the different things that we have a vision for. C- come be involved in these. And, and this is what this is what will kind of mash these things together and, and get to be a big picture focus.
1: Yeah, it was definitely custom built. This was a new role when I entered. And that really was thinking, okay, You've got these CMs and buyers that are so in the weeds of the day to day to day to day, and dealing with, you know, a, a late truck, a rejection, a uh, so you thought it was going to go on ad and you sold twenty thousand units and all of a sudden you're selling fifty thousand units and all the rush and the the stress. How can you really focus on long-term strategy when it comes to innovation and not be a reaction to the innovation? Be oh yeah, you know, Wegmans got it first and then i'm gonna get it next year like how do you get it before wegmans gets it or how do you start uh that innovation cycle where someone wasn't even thinking about a a pink blueberry and so getting ahead of that and having some uh, a key role and a segment of your business just based on that strategy really helps align for the future um and then from a local perspective we sort of talked about it you know it's a it's a full-time job in the sense it takes a lot there's a lot of little things you you, you might be buying dandelion greens and you have to buy 14 cases every other day uh because you only have, are servicing 28 stores with this this local item and so there's a lot of intricate parts of local that if you want to do it well you got to have a designated team um to do it so so that it's not an afterthought it's the thought of the day mm-hmm. that's the only thing they think about is local yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, Caitlin, anything that uh, anything else on the innovation front, the local front, you know, programs you guys have coming out, anything else you're really excited about for this year that you want to mention before we wrap up?
1: Trying to think. Um, no, I think not not as of yet, you know, where we are looking to expand and um, really elevate our added value sector. So um, I think that that's something that you'll start to see. Here in Q3 ish, um, really trying to step change. You know, Delhi has made so many strides on their convenience uh, value items, their uh, on the go items, their meal preparation kits, that convenience sector. You know, it stuck through COVID and it's sticking continuously. So the better we can be at that to better serve our customers, that's really where we're focused um, today on it.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Caitlin, for taking the time. This has been absolutely fantastic. I, I know I could ask you a million more questions, but I want to respect your time. So thank you again for joining us. And um, it's been awesome.
1: Yeah, thank you so much, Ashley.
0: <laughs> well, that wraps up this episode of the Produce Retail Podcast. Thank you so much to our listeners for joining us for these incredible insights from Caitlin. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, Please, please go back through the archives for more amazing conversations on all things produce retail strategy, merchandising, marketing, assortment, promotional planning, trading, and so much more. Thank you again, and we will see you again soon on the Produce Retail Podcast.